Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. just been tremendous amen mark chapter 15 starting with verse number 42 this morning the bible says and now when the evening even was come uh, because it was the preparation that is the day before the sabbath joseph of arimathea an honorable counselor which also waited for the kingdom of god came and went in boldly unto pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in a sepulchre which was hewn out of a rock, and rode a stone unto the door of the sepulchre. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. Amen. This morning, I'd like to minister just a little while today along this subject matter, crave the body, crave the body. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you right now. Lord, we're in need of you, Jesus, this morning in this place. I pray, oh, Lord, we're thankful, God, for what you have done, Lord Jesus, this past week. God, many, Lord, that sat, Lord, before me were not able, Lord Jesus, to participate in that. I pray, God, this morning as we enter in on this Sunday morning to give worship and praise and adoration to you. God, that you would come down and just make your spirit known unto us. God, help us today, Lord, to hear what the spirit, God, may be saying to the church. I know, God, that you're able to help us. I know, God, that you're able to speak to us. Lord, let the power of your presence, God, find us, Lord, where we need to be found. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen you may be seated this morning crave the body crave the body uh, I believe any of us could somehow uh, identify with the idea of cravings I don't know if you've ever been put in a situation uh, where something came up on your mind that you just wanted to eat in your home and you search cupboard high and low refrigerator only to find out that it is not there and if that is the case, if you're truly craving that type of thing, it doesn't matter if it's not in your house, you're going to find some way to get your hands on it. Some way to somehow apprehend what you need or what your cravings, quote unquote. I have made uh, at times in my life, uh, sometimes when my wife was pregnant, I have made trips to stores at some unseen hours because somebody was craving something in the house. There have been times also, it doesn't just have to be food. Perhaps it is a certain item that you have had your eyes on that you were going to purchase. You craved that. You craved or desired or wanted that. I remember particularly one time uh, my wife had her eyes on a particular pair of shoes that she wanted. Uh, they were only selling at Bell's Outlets, which are normally in the southern part of the states. And we were traveling from Florida up to Ohio. And she had already mapped out all the Bells between Florida and Ohio that we were going to be stopping at. And that took a really long trip. But the, the moral of the story is this. Before we got to Ohio, she had those shoes. 
because she craved them. She desired them. And so we understand what it's like to crave something. The alcoholic knows what it's like to crave alcohol. The drug addict to crave his drugs and they'll go to any extent in order to apprehend them or to get them. The Bible speaks in scripture of a man that does not have a whole lot of showcasing throughout the word of the Lord. We don't read a whole lot about Joseph of Arimathea. We don't read much about his parentage, his ancestry. We don't know anything about that. We do know according to the harmony of the gospels that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ according to the word of the Lord. He was a disciple, a disciple just as much, if you will, as Peter and James and John and Andrew. He was a disciple of the Lord. We understand he also was a rich man. He seems, according to the scripture, to be one that served maybe perhaps even on the Sanhedrin court. He was a rich man. He was a very noble man, and yet we don't know much about him. He's an honorable counselor according to the scripture reading today, but we don't know much about him. He does doesn't have the flamboyance of Peter that you see always speaking in scripture and always interjecting and always being the first to answer. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have the diligence even of Andrew. Although we don't hear a whole lot of Andrew, he doesn't even have the diligence of Andrew that is constantly bringing people to Christ that we see would be the, the fingerprint of Andrew. He doesn't have the role of, of, of James or John who had a good mama that's going to voice wanting her boys being by the Lord on either side. He, though still yet, Lord, is termed a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the story would go, though we don't know much about him, uh, all throughout the Gospels, don't read much of him. We don't see him mentioned among those whenever maybe the lame got their strength and their legs to walk again. We don't read of his name among those that was necessarily a witness. It's not recorded, at least for us, as he being one to witness to the blind eyes being opened or the dead that were raised or uh, to the feeding of the multitudes with fishes and bread, amen, by some miraculous means. We do not read his name. It's not recorded for us, yet he is still termed a disciple. And so throughout all this, we see the Lord doing many things through the gospels. He is healing the sick. He is raising the dead. He is feeding those that are in need of being fed. We read the names of Peter and James and John, Andrew, over and over again. Those 12 that the Lord handpicked and desired to be in close proximity to him we read of the inner three who were given perhaps more privileges than some of the rest but we do not read of Joseph of Arimathea that's numbered among them and yet all these that walked with the Lord and talked with the Lord and was with him on high mountains and under the shade of trees receiving the teaching of the Lord for three and a half years being there at all of those highlights if you will of power and the miraculous we read in the point of time although Peter told the Lord Lord he said I'll never leave you I'll go even to death for you I will not deny you we know that he denied the Lord we know that Thomas was doubting and doubted the Lord we we know of all the hiccups of these disciples that had regular uh, conversation regular interaction with the Lord the Bible says though in the moment of the Lord's death 
I read of scripture, amen, that it wasn't just Peter or some of the others, but the Bible says all fled from the scene whenever the Lord was apprehended. I don't read of in scripture anybody really at the scene of the crucifix except for John. And John was there and he was given a commission by the Lord from the cross that my mother Mary, you you take care of her. And Mary, he's going to take And I don't see anybody else among the recesses. All right. There's nobody else around. Whenever that body is hanging there on the tree and it's been given its last breath upon the tree and now it's nothing but a dead carcass hanging on a tree. Customarily, it was if there were no family there, no relatives there, anybody that was crucified on a cross was just going to be just thrown in a commoner's grave among other, other, other people who had done wrong, other burglars, other malefactors just thrown in a heap with everybody else if there wasn't a relative if there wasn't somebody there that would ask for the body if a family member was there amen they could ask for the body of a criminal you know crucifixion was for criminals for the crucified and they might give give that body to them there are some historians say that in order to even get the body of a criminal you had to pay Money in order to apprehend the body of a criminal. I don't see Peter, James, or John uh, anywhere in this picture. I don't see Bartholomew. I don't see all these that had witnessed the power of the Lord in his heyday of ministry. But somewhere there was a disciple that we don't know much about. It's quiet. There's not much said about him. But there's a disciple there, the Bible says, that craved the body of Jesus. Not when there was miracles coming from him not when there was great power being exercised from him but he loved the body of Jesus in his state of deadness someone say amen I've seen it and through the few years of being a pastor and having the responsibility and even prior to that, amen, of people's interaction with dead. I've been to funerals and I have been there where relatives and friends have laid their head upon the chest of a body that is inactive. I've seen them take their living lips and press it to a cold face to give appreciation and kiss and affection a dead corpse that's within, within a casket. I've seen people stand for hours holding hands with something that was lifeless or just patting it repetitiously. And they are doing that. They are doing that. Not for the state in which that body is, but for the state in which that body was. They're not doing that because of its inactivity and it's no life that it holds right there in the casket. They're showing that affection. They're showing that love. They're patting that hand. They're holding that hand. They're reaching over and hugging that lifeless corpse. Not for where it was right at that moment, but what it once did and what it once could do and where it once went. In other words, while all the other disciples were there in the heyday of the power and the miraculous and no doubt Joseph was as well but we don't read of the occurrence. He was there when it was nothing but lifelessness. When it was nothing but inactivity. No miracle was taking place right there. No power was being executed right there. But he says, I'm going to love the body even in its moment of inactivity because I know what what it is capable of. Someone say amen. The body, 
the body of Christ. And he took a lot of diligence. He took a lot of diligence. The Bible says very plainly here that evidently he took him down. He took that body down from the cross and he took that body off that piece of wood and he did all the preparations and all the diligence in wrapping it in linen and putting the spices there with it and taking it to, amen, a garden tomb, if you will. The Bible, at the harmony of the Gospels, it said that near Calvary or near Golgotha was a garden and in the garden was a tomb and it was a new tomb that never a man had been laying. Why does it say that? Because tombs in that day many times were used over and over and over. Yes, they put a body in there after it did deteriorated. They would take the bones out, bury it and put another. but this, this never held a body. The Bible even says that Joseph of Arimathea in the Harmony of the Gospels had hewn this out of a rock himself hewn this out of the rock himself. I never see in the heyday of the activity of Christ that he ever went recorded in scripture to Joseph Arimathea's house or that he ever prepared a meal like Martha did serving the Lord but in his inactive state Joseph had prepared a place for this wonderful great mighty God if you will amen in a state of deadness. Someone say amen. And he prepared it. And he made all preparations. He's taken very much diligence for him. He, he craved the body of Jesus. He asked, he begged the body of Jesus. Pilate's a little bit overwhelmed. He's marveling that even the body was already dead. He was marveling that the body already had no more life in it. There's just something about, you know, giving something a proper burial or craving it or loving it even whenever there is no life in it. Love it and appreciating it even when there is no life in it. Folks, if I can just somehow convey to you today all throughout the scriptures, there was always an affinity it seemed to a certain degree that people had toward bodies and reverence and respect for the dead as though they were living. We read in scripture that whenever Saul had died and he had been taken advantage of by the warriors, he and his sons, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 31 that the men of these enemies had taken Saul and they took his body and they fastened it if you will to the wall of Bethshan and they took his son's bodies and fastened it to the wall but the Bible says when those men amen that were in close relationship to Saul and those sons heard about that they went in the nighttime and they scurried as it were to the place where those bodies were and they took them down and they gave them a burial because again they were shown appreciation love and affection not for where they were at that moment in time but for who they were in their lifetime someone say amen hallelujah there is something that I understand very well Amen. And we look, I don't know, I don't know how put out, if you we could use that term, Joseph Arimathea was, but I guarantee you carving out a place, a tomb in a rock is not anything that takes place overnight. Uh, carving out a tomb in a rock, amen, there is no bulldozer jackhammer that Joseph Arimathea has in his hand. I don't know if he had another a rock or some scraping tools or how that was done, but it took several days, maybe even years, in order to carve out ample space in a rock. But he didn't care. I don't know if he knew whenever he started that what he was going to be putting in that. I know perhaps he was making his own tomb but did he little maybe perhaps he knew it was going to be the place where the lifeless life of Christ would
was going to lay. I don't know how much money it took for him to get all of the linen and the spices, even that Nicodemus brought. I don't know how much time it took to wrap that body and do everything he did, but he knew that this was a great man. He knew that this man was a man that had done wonders. He knew this was a man that had impacted his life. He knew this was a man that had done some great things walking upon the earth, and he's going to care for him in this moment right now of inactivity. Amen. Because he understood what he was whenever he was alive. Now I said all this this morning, and I might not hold you real long, but I said all this this morning to know this, that I understand from New Testament scripture that the body, the Bible rather tells us quite well. In the book of Colossians, whenever it's speaking about, and Corinthians, it talks a lot about the body. It talks about us being, amen, having several members, but being one body. And it speaks in Colossians when it speaks of Jesus Christ who is the image of the invisible God. It speaks of him as being the head of the body. But it goes on, the body, the church. It says the body, the church. Joseph craved the body of the Lord Jesus. The body, the church. I know that was in a literal sense, but I'd like to elevate that to a figurative sense today. Joseph Armathia craved the body. Joseph Armathia craved the church. What are you then saying this morning? I'm saying this, folks. We need some people that although you might not shine the brightest among the members of the church, let there be a select few groups of people that whenever the church reaches a place of dormancy, whenever the church reaches a place of inactivity, when the church reaches a place as though it were dead, that somebody would still take some preparation and show some love and show some compassion, not because of where she is at that moment, but because of where she was. And I can't but wonder today that Joseph Armathia, being a disciple of the Lord somewhere, heard something whenever Jesus said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'm gonna raise it up. What are you doing, Joseph, carrying over a body that can do no miracle right now, do no great work right now, do nothing marvelous right now? I'll tell you what I'm doing. If I know anything about the body of Christ, it can't stay dead for long. I wish there'd be somebody in this building today to recognize if the church ever reaches a place of inactivity, of dormancy, of deadness, you need to go on and kiss its face. Go on and hold its hand. Go on and caress it. Because if there's anything I know about the body of Christ, it cannot stay dead for long. Someone say yes. Peter's not found there to care for the dead body. He was around as long as it was living. Bartholomew, Andrew, James, they were not there. But Joseph, although you don't hear his voice and there's nothing recorded when there was the living Christ, the moment perhaps when it counted most, he showed up when he was dealing with the inactive Christ. I want to be a part of this thing that I don't just show up and I'm not just vocal 
whenever the miracle is happening and whenever the, the salvation is flowing and whenever the finances I don't want to just be the disciple that's active when he's active but I want to be the disciple that says hey if you go to the grave I'm going to hold your hand but I know you're not going to stay that way I know it's not somebody hear me right now oh but I haven't had anything happen that's alright keep kissing his cheek you know what he has done and he's not going to stay where he is he's going to do Somebody needs to crave the body. Uh-huh. <laughs> John says, Joseph says, I'm craving the body. He didn't put, listen, listen. He did not put any other adjective in that sentence. To describe the body. You didn't say broken body. One, not, one, not one bone in his body was broken anyway. Didn't say broken body. Didn't say mutilated body. He even didn't say pierced and wounded body. He said, I just crave the body. I crave the body. He's up here for all the other malefactors. If no one gave no voice, he'd find himself in a common man common fugitive common criminal's tomb he would be heaped in with all the rest (laughs) we need somebody to crave the body because this body is not like any other body somebody hear me this body is not like any other body (sighs) Gotta, gotta crave this body he craved the body of the Lord. <laughs> he wasn't there. At least record doesn't tell us. I'm just going off what I know from Scripture. Where it's silent, I'm just remaining silent. He wasn't necessarily there whenever the disciples had meal with the Lord prior to all this happening. And he told them to drink the blood. Drink this because this is the New Testament. This is the blood that I'll shed for you. Take this flesh and eat it. Take this bread and break it, rather knead it, because this is my body. I don't know if he was there at that moment or time, but he was there when the body was on the cross. Joseph craved a dead body. And I don't know again. Scripture is silent, but historians say that sometimes it wasn't just a point of you asking and getting the body, especially when it was a malefactor, but that you had to purchase the body. I don't have one, don't. Just quit looking. Camp meeting was hard on those hankies. And so... It is quite possible that not only did Joseph of Arimathea spend the time in creating a safe haven where the inactive body was going to rest and wrap it in linens and with spices, but it's possible, and I can't prove nor disprove, but it's quite possible he may have even had to purchase 
the body. He had to invest. And there's something that just penetrates my soul is that if Judas purchased the body for betrayal, who was among the knit group of 12, I hope there's somebody among the disciples, although no renown, that when needed during the church's inactivity will purchase the body for burial. Safekeeping. Oh, someone say amen. <laughs> because see, after resurrect morn, there's still going to be some things that was going to take place. There is still going to be the visitation of this one as two old disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and they're talking about the events of what had happened and the death of the Lord. Not privy to the fact that maybe he's resurrected. Yeah, we have an empty tomb, but some say uh, some stole the body and others say this and others say that. And so they're speaking about this death and this burial of the Lord. But as they are talking about the circumstance, there's one that draws nigh to them by the name of Jesus Christ. And he speaks to them. Amen. And they're about ready to arrive there at Emmaus, that road to Emmaus. And they're about ready to arrive. And they're going to go into their home. And the Bible says they constrained him, not really knowing who he was, but they constrained him to come in and eat with him. And the Bible says they sat down to eat. Hallelujah. But something happened the moment that he picked up a piece of bread and he broke it. Oh God, there's something that happened. Something came shimmering through their mind whenever he took that piece of bread and perhaps they heard those disciples of 12 of how they ate with him before his crucifixion and broke bread and said, this is my body. Something happened the moment he picked up that bread, which was a representation of his body. He broke it. The Bible says when he did that, they knew him and they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he walked with us and talked with us? How in the world did all this take place? How are you experiencing you two boys what you're experiencing right now you're getting the glory of all this but somebody when he was inactive was still caring still preparing still loving still being appreciative of him when it was a dormant state I would to God that church was always come in, sing worship, people dance, shout, speak in tongues, people receive the Holy Ghost. Every time we had church, the baptismal pools always be in trouble with someone being forgiven of their sin and remitted in the water. I wish every time we had church, it was just another time for the miracle to take place and somebody leave with their miracle. But listen, folks, it's not always that way. Sometimes it's just a body that you're watching over. Sometimes it's just a body that you're caring for. Sometimes it's just a body that you're nurturing. But I'm trying to tell somebody, it's not always going to be an actor. Right. 
And so we applaud Peter. Amen. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. We applaud him and his great message on Pentecost. And yes, those things should be applauded. But I applaud the disciple that there's not much spoken about that cared for the body when it was inactive, that cared for the body when there was no movement. Honey, you don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a music leader. You don't have to play a musical instrument. You just hang with us when it's inactive. Just hang with us when nothing's going on. Just hang with us when there's no miracle. Just hang with us when you feel no spirit. Just be with the body. Someone say yes. Someone say amen. <laughs> uh. Let me tell you. You misunderstand or don't understand what you have, and perhaps neither does the world, when you have an inactive body. Why you say that? Because Joseph of Arimathea was craving it. And whenever Pilate, look, it seems like there was a precedence here set, or at least an order to it. Pilate was marveling that if the body was already dead. And so he consults the centurion. And he wants to get some type of proof, some type of seal of approval if the body's dead. If the body's dead, Joseph can have it. In other words, nobody's getting the body. As long as it's alive, this is Pilate. As long as it's alive, it's still under my care. When it's dead, Joseph can have it. There is that splitting allegiance sometimes within the church I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about the church that as long as it's alive we'll keep it but if it ever becomes inactive you can have it Joseph was of the opinion if it's alive I'll take it if it's dead I'll still take it because I know it can't stay dead it can't stay dead the body can't stay. Honey, this body is still connected to a head. It's still connected to a hand. It's still connected to a life source. And it cannot remain inactive. It cannot remain dead. You say, well, well, well. Uh, but, 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 I don't, but if, whatever you want to talk about. It cannot stay inactive. It cannot stay dead. I'm asking some church member today just to reach out and grab a hold of the church and hold on to that cold hand and kiss that cold cheek. Because one of those times you do, you're going to feel some warmth come back to that skin. Some blood coursing back through that veins and it's going to stand up walk out of there and do its excellency in power and in mind because the body can't stay dead someone say amen uh-huh Someone say yes.
And so we just got to be faithful to the body. Be faithful with it in high tide. Be faithful with it in low tide. Be faithful when, when it's kicking. Be faithful with it when it's not kicking. Be faithful whenever things are happening. Be faithful with it when nothing's happening. Because over the course of my life, I've seen her alive and well, and I've seen her dormant. But I guarantee you this, sooner or later, she always comes out of it. Sooner or later, she always comes out of it. She may lay down for a time, but that's not a place of permanence. She'll get up. She'll get up. She'll get up. But somebody's got to watch over her. I've seen her through the scripture. She has suffered through times of war. I've seen her in scripture. She's suffered through times of great persecution. I've seen her through scripture that she's went, if you will, in the recesses of caves and dens and virtually, if you will, eradicated from the earth. But there's always been a remnant, however few it may be, that was left. And whenever she comes forth, she comes forth in might. She comes forth in power. She grows in number. She grows in exploits because she can't. Stay dead. Oh, someone say hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Whenever you have a craving, uh huh, as we've begun with, whenever you have a craving, you go to any extent to apprehend that desire of your heart. And for Joseph, it was I crave the body, and I don't care if it's executing miracles right now. I crave the body. I crave it not for what it does for who it is. And so there'll be times we'll have more programs around here than we do now. And more activity than we do now. But please, don't have an affinity toward the body just because of what it can do for you. Have an affinity toward the body because of what the body is to you. Hallelujah. We can just bow our heads in this place. Just bow our heads. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.